of how you can get involved. So, so we thought it might be a good idea to talk about what a good servant is and what God expects in a servant. A servant after God's own heart. So this is a servant where all that they care about is pleasing God. They don't have any other aim in service. Now some of you might be thinking, okay, like I'm not really serving or I'm not really interested in serving. Well, when you help your parents around the house, that's service. When you smile at a stranger, that's service. When your friends are in a tough position, whether they're Christian or not Christian, and you help them, that's service. When you direct your friend to church, that's service. There's actually a, um, a Christian author, his name is Bobby Conway, and he says, there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Christian. But most people never read the first four. For some people, we're it. We're the example of Christ in their life. So if we're going to serve, we need to do it to the best of our ability. So what does, what does a servant after God's own heart look like? What, what characteristics does a servant like that have? Any ideas? Shout, just shout out. John. I put you on the spot. Kind, kind. Kindness actually might be the first one. Um, what else? Love. Love. John's on the roll. Is anybody else want to challenge John? Zeal. Zeal. Humility. Sorry, humility, yes. We like that one. Zeal, humility. We'll go to the next slide. So we've got kindness, self-denial, giving, love, faithfulness, patience, zeal, humility. And the list goes on and on. There's a lot more that, that we can talk about. There are a lot of characteristics there. And if, I, if we were to talk about every single one, or even each one of them, we could spend a couple of hours. So I thought we'll focus on humility, the one, the one involved there, for two reasons. One, humility is something that I really struggle with, and I thought maybe some of you might have the same thoughts. Quite often I'll find myself sitting in a talk thinking, oh, you know, I could have, could have done this part a bit better, I wouldn't have said this. Um, I, like, I didn't really like this talk, I think if I gave it, it would have been a bit better, or, or even saying, why did they pick that person for this service? You know, I'm, I'm more suited for that. Sometimes you might struggle with these thoughts. And the other thing is, a service that is not done in humility is rejected by God. Now that's a very scary thought. That's a very, very scary thought. So when all of us, like I said before, are going to serve in our life one way or another, so we need to make sure that when we do it, we do it right. Now, there are going to be a few messages today, but I don't want, I don't want everyone here to take every single message. I want us all to pick one message and hold on to it, and then have that message as our aim for 2020. So 2020, for example, I'm going to do this. Or for this month, I'm going to do this. So don't try and get all 10 messages. Just focus on one and, and perfect it. All right, so the way we're going to look at humility and service is we're going to look at three very successful, very successful servants, and we'll get a small message from each. The first one is the person who this talk is mainly based on is David. The man after God's own heart. The very first time that David is mentioned in the Bible, he's mentioned as the man after God's own heart. Someone whose whole life revolves around pleasing God. Like, I don't know if you guys see in, in rom-com movies, you have the guy is after the girl. The whole 90 minutes of the movie, he's doing amazing gestures just to get the girl. This, is, this was David's life. The whole, his whole life, everything he's doing, he's got blown mind. Let's talk a little bit about David. So at the time, so when David was alive, they had King Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel. And he started off not bad, but then he declined many people. He started disobeying God, and God wasn't very happy with that. So God told Samuel, which was the prophet at the time, Samuel, go, go to Jesse's house. We're going to pick a new king. So Samuel's going to Jesse's house, and on the way he's thinking, okay, 
going to pick a new king, it's a big job. What am I going to pick? So he's thinking, I want someone good looking, because you know he's going to be the face of Israel, so it has to be someone good. I want someone strong, and I want someone with like, it's a stick to lead us into the war. And I want someone nice and tall. And he walks in and he tells Jesse, Jesse, I need to see your sons. And they line up. Jesse lines up the boys. And straight away, Samuel looks, ah, the tallest one. He's the one. So he goes up to him, king of Israel. And then God is like, no. He says something very significant, actually. He says, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If I want God to see my service, it can't be from the outside. It has to be from my heart. God doesn't see the service like other people do. God looks at the heart behind what I'm doing. I might be able to trick other people and say, oh, you know, I'm a great servant, but is my heart in it? Am I doing it with the right purpose? So anyway, they line up and Samuel goes through each one. Um, yes, no, God, God says no. This one, God, no, 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 no. And all the seven sons that Jesse lined up were rejected. And then Samuel tells Jesse, is there anyone else? And he says, actually, oh, there's one more in the field, David, he's, he's guarding the sheep. So he brings him in, and as soon as he walks in, God says, he's the one, anoints him. Now, what was so special about David? What was, I got sorry, you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Right sorry, sorry. I knew you were going to say that. Because <laughs> I, I, sorry. It's okay. All right, so what was, what was so special about David? What, what did God see in David that we don't see? Well, let's set the same. So Samuel the prophet was coming in, and Jesse told all his kids, okay, you two are very important, you're going to sit with them during dinner, you're going to prepare dinner, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And then he came to David, he's like, oh, David, go sit outside with the sheep, take care of the sheep instead. That's like the Pope coming to our house, and your dad lines up all the kids, and yep, you do this, you do that. All right, and then Kareem, you're going to go sit with the dogs outside, you know, make sure they don't disturb us. And, you know, some of us might get angry. Like, I, I'd get angry if they're like, whoa, like, the Pope's coming. I've never seen this guy before. I want to, I want to meet him. But David, no, but David didn't complain. He could have easily said, I don't want to do it today. I, I, I sat with the sheep yesterday. Do I have to do it again today? But he didn't. I imagine he was actually overjoyed. He was thinking, Dad, I'll do anything I can to help you. Because in his eyes, that's what God wanted. We actually see in Psalm 151, so this Psalm was written after um, David beat Goliath. It says, I was small among my brothers and the youngest in my father's house. I tended my father's sheep. My hands made a harp. My fingers fashioned a, a lyre from lyre. And who will tell my Lord? The Lord himself is he who hears. He could have said, and who will tell Samuel? Or will my dad, will my dad accept me? Or will I be impressed? No, he said, who will tell my Lord? And all that he was doing, all he was worried about, is God going to see me. And when I'm doing my service from my heart, and all my aim is to offer to God, then God will definitely see and He will definitely reward, like we see in today's example. He wasn't worried about showing off His service to others. He wasn't worried about, you know, being important in front of Samuel. All He was worried about was pleasing God. And if we want to please God, then God will definitely come and have a look, and He will always reward. And we can really learn from David's humility. Sometimes we're given the smaller services. There are no services that are small, but we'll just call them the smaller services. The come clean church, the drop your siblings off, help me clean around the house. Go, go speak to this person, go hang out with that person. And we think, oh no, I'm capable of so much more. I can, 
I can be running the show, I can be doing this, I can be doing that. I want something with more recognition. Like, you know, this service, no one's going to see me. Do I, do I have to do it? Or no one's going to see me, so I'll just do it quickly and, and just get it done. But David's example shows us that if we're diligent in those little annoying services, then our reward will be really good. He picked, he picked the, one, the one guy, the one guy that was guiding the sheep that Samuel didn't even see, that was given the worst job to be the king of Israel, the biggest position. You guys know, actually, in the parable of the talents, the master rewards the steward that had the two talents and the five talents the same. He doesn't reward the one with the five talents more than the two. They both get the same answer. They both hear, they both hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Both hear the exact same thing. He didn't say, oh no, you did two, so you're going to get this position, you did five, you're going to get this position. No, God doesn't care about how much we do. He cares about how well we do what we have. Okay, so it's not about quantity, it's about accepting the lesser services and doing them well. And that's our first message for today. We need to accept the lesser services when they're offered to us, and we need to do it with diligence. And if we are, then we also will hear the voice, well done, good and faithful servant, you are faithful over a few things, I'll make you aware of many things. Alright, our next example, I promise this won't be as long, our next example is St. John the Baptist. St. John the Baptist, wherever he went, his one motto was, he must increase, but I must decrease. One day, actually, John's servants came to Jesus, and they were, uh, sorry, Jesus, John's servants came to John. John's disciples, John's disciples came to John, and they said, John, do you remember that Jesus guy that you, that you baptized the other day? He's out there baptizing other people, and more people are going to, we're losing customers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost as if, it's almost as if, Baptizing was a copyright, like, you know, watch out, John, he's, he's stealing his thing. Yeah, and, and John, John could have easily, like, John and Jesus were very close. John could have easily went to Houston and like, look, Jesus, you know, you have 120 miracles that you can do. Let me, let me do the baptism. Like, I'll keep it my thing, stay in your lane. But he didn't. He actually said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Sometimes in service, we're going to, we come across things where I do, I do something. I do, I start a service, and then someone takes over, and they end up getting a credit. Or someone starts doing my job. And I'm like, hey, you know, this is my job. You're taking, you're taking over my spot. But our aim shouldn't, we shouldn't care about who's doing the service as long as our service is giving glory to God. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who gets credit for something because at the end of the day, our aim should be to please God and to do something for God. Our aim is to direct people to God, not to direct people to ourselves, to give ourselves credit. So our one, our one goal in service is to, is, to please, is to please Christ and to bring people to Christ. How that happens doesn't matter. Whether I get the glory, whether someone else gets the glory, does not matter at all. Now I've got the flowers on there. They, they're a little bit out of place, but I'll say why. One of my friends in, in Golka, some of you might know this story. Um, he's, he's a really good speaker. He's very, very, very talented. After every, after every talk, People are like, wow, yeah. we'll, we'll say his name is Zach for this. It's not actually his name, but we'll say his name is Zach for this example. Wow, Zach, that talk was amazing. You've inspired me. Honestly, every talk that he gives, no matter how much time he has to prepare, whether it's an hour, whether it's 10 days, is always very inspiring and, and very, very good. He's really charismatic. So I went, up, I went up to him once and I was like, Zach, how do you, how do you, um, how do you stay humble? Like, people come up to you every day and they're like, wow, Zach, that was amazing. You did this really well and you're the best speaker ever. Even I'm always like fangirling, but anyway, <laughs> that was really good. How, how do you do it? How do you stay humble? And he's like, 
No, it's simple. When people come up to me and say, oh, you know, Zach, thanks for the talk. Instead of going like, oh, I don't know, don't say that, it was God, I didn't do this. Not that that's bad. He just doesn't do it. He doesn't, he doesn't bother with it. Oh, okay, thank you for the talk. Okay, no worries, you're welcome. And people come up to him and they say, thank you, thank you, thank you, and he accepts it. And then at night, when he's alone with God, he presents all these thank yous as a bouquet of flower to God, flowers to God. And he's like, look, God, these are all the people that you've helped through me. Thank you. So it, it's not, so the whole, the whole point of it is that it's not, humility is not something outer, and it's not actions, it's a mentality. It's a mentality that no matter what success I get in my service, it's all thanks to God. And if I don't have God with me, then I won't succeed. So our second, our second take home message is, He must increase and we must decrease. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory, okay? It doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. Now, our last example is serving in an upside-down kingdom, and it's Jesus. I'll explain that in a sec. I quickly Googled recently the most powerful people in the world, and some of the answers were Trump, Putin, Angela Merkel, and Bill Gates. And we, we, we currently live, live in a world where greatness is measured by riches, popularity, followers on Instagram. And, and the reason these people are considered great is because of how much influence they have on the world. So, for example, Trump can snap his fingers and unfortunately, like 100 people would die. These people are influential. And that's what we all want. We all want to be influential. I want to, be, I want to say something and I want everyone to agree with me. Or I want, I want everyone or most people to like me. But the real, the real influences, and this is actually a church father or, or a saint, I can't remember who. The real influences are the people who can move the hand of God in prayer. The real influences aren't the richest. They're not the most popular. They're not the people that have the most followers on Instagram. They're the people that are so close to God that when, when they ask for something or when they're speaking with God, they can move God's hand in prayer. And we serve in an upside-down kingdom where if you want to be first, if you want to be the most influential, you have to be last. And Jesus explains this. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Again, you know that those who are great have influence over the Gentiles. Yet it shall, it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. It's, it's a bit of a long word, a long verse, but the, the most important part is there. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. In God's kingdom, in this upside-down kingdom, if you want to be great, if you want to be influential, you have to start as a slave, as a slave, as a servant. And Jesus himself followed this example when he washed the disciples' feet. Now, I really, really like this photo. It was one of the only ones I found that was actually accurate. A lot of the photos, a lot of the photos that we find of Jesus washing the feet, Jesus is about 10 meters away, and the feet are like there, and Jesus is wearing white, and everything's nice and clean, and you know, the floor is clean, everything's nice. But it wasn't like that, you know? Socks weren't invented to the 8th century. So they didn't have socks, okay? That was the first thing. Maybe some of the disciples couldn't afford shoes. That Jesus didn't just wash their feet from half a meter away. Jesus had his, their feet in his lap. He did the best he could 
to make to, to wash them. And he says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. We're asked to have this level of commitment. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So what does washing the feet look like today? Washing the feet today is being friends with those that don't have many friends. Washing the feet today is cleaning the church. Washing the feet is praying for my enemies, loving my enemies. Washing the feet is helping my parents around the house without grumbling. Washing the feet is asking about my friends. Washing the feet is going out of my way and being uncomfortable. And if we don't get our hands dirty and do these uncomfortable services or these dirty services, then I won't be successful servant. I just won't. It's the reality of the situation. Unless I'm willing to do the services that no one else wants to do, unless I'm willing to get my hands dirty just like Jesus did, then I'm never going to be a successful servant. Healing the sick, raising the dead, and healing the blind do not happen unless you're washing the feet. It's not just, you know, you get the big services, the miracles, the, I know, the servant is so blessed, or everything he does is really good. And, the, and Jesus raising the dead and healing the blind and healing the sick, it doesn't happen unless you're doing the dirty service, the uncomfortable. Some of you might say, okay, but I can't heal the sick, I can't raise the dead, I can't heal the blind. Well, actually, some monks asked a saintly person, we want to perform miracles like our forefathers. He said to them, If you teach someone how to read the Bible, then you open the eyes of the blind. If you teach someone how to serve others, then you have healed a paralyzed hand. If you teach someone how to go to church, then you have healed the lame and the paralytic. If you encourage someone to repent, then you have raised the dead. We are all, we're all capable of this. We're all, God has given us the grace to to teach someone to read the Bible, to teach someone to serve others, to bring someone to church. But if we want to be successful servants, then it starts with the, it starts with the uncomfortable services, the services that are really out of our comfort zone, the services where I deny myself something that I wanted. So the third take-home message from, from Jesus is greatness starts with washing the feet. Does anybody remember the first take-home message? Access the lesser services and, and do them diligently. Yep. What's the second take home message? Increase, you decrease. Yep. You must increase and I decrease. And what's the last one that I just said? Now, now something, something just to keep in mind. There was a lot of information today, and a lot of things, like for me personally, for me personally, to go from from where my service is to what I'm talking about. Years. I need years. What we need to do is we need to take one message, one of these three, and focus on it. And we're going to say, okay, this is my message. Father Anthony uses this example, and I really love it. Perfection is like a donut hole. No one goes into a kitchen and makes a donut hole. They make a donut, and they take bites of the donut until they're left with the donut hole. It's a very... It's a very so it, perfection is not something that you can, you can make. It's, perfection is... You, you remove something until you achieve perfection. You remove a bad trait, you remove a bad trait, you remove another bad trait until you achieve perfection. What I'm trying to say is take one message, work at it. Get all the aspects of, for example, if, get all the aspects of he must increase and I must decrease. Everything that I do, I'm, I'm going to try not to take credit for myself and I'm going to make sure that God's getting all the glory. Whether that's in my prayer life at home or just by, by letting someone else get the credit. 
Okay, so take one step, apply it, and then move on to the, ne move on to the next one. Alright, so just a quick summary, let's accept the lesser service and do them with diligence. God himself will hear and reward, just like he did with King David. He must increase and I must increase, and our aim in service is the glory of God, just like St. John. And service and greatness in God's kingdom involves washing the feet, just like Jesus. Glory be to God forever.